You're listening to the Tree of Life podcast, where we desire to be a bridge between the two covenantal peoples, physical Israel and spiritual Israel, by inspiring the non-Jewish part of Messiah's body to reconnect with its Jewish roots through biblical teaching and worshipful demonstrations, and to work towards greater understanding and reconciliation between Messiah's body and traditional Judaism. And now, here's Rabbi Joel Lieberman. Bibles with me today in the book of Psalms, summertime in the Psalms. I've been spending the summer, the last half of the summer in the Psalms. And I want to begin this message this morning that has traumatized every student in my generation. You you hear a lot today about Gen Z, right? Gen Y, the millennials and the baby boomers. My generation was Gen X. It's like the forgotten generation. Nobody talks about us. But one thing that did happen in our generation that traumatized us and me was these words, which I want to announce to you today. We're going to have a pop quiz. Oh, fear in the house. For this quiz, please listen carefully as I read the psalm we're going to look at this morning and ask you a question. Psalm 66, verse 1, for the music director, a song, a psalm. Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. Hallelujah. Oh, that's like a teacher's pet. Hallelujah. All right. Um, Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great power, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you, as we sung earlier, and sing praises to you. All sing praises to your name. Selah. Here's the pop quiz. The question is, to what extent did those verses describe your life this past week? Now, don't answer out loud. But on a scale today of 1 to 10, would you rate yourself a 10? Or a 7? A 5? Maybe a 3? Maybe a 0? Now, if your score is somewhere in the bottom half of the scale, then you definitely need to hear this message. Don't leave. But if it's a 9 or a 10, maybe you should be preaching this message. Now, I confess I've got a lot of room to improve in keeping this command. In verse 2, make his praise glorious. Now, we don't know the author or the historical situation behind this praise psalm. Some commentators will posture that King Hezekiah wrote it after Adonai delivered Israel from Sennacherib's invasion, the Assyrian invasion that took place around 701 or so BCE. That he wrote it at that time and then delivered Hezekiah from an early death. But it's only speculation to say that this was the situation. The psalm doesn't tell us. It's unclear as well whether the psalmist is speaking of events going on presently or in the past. This psalm, Psalm 66, is the second of four psalms that call upon the whole earth to praise God. And so the psalm may be interpreted as praise to God for, again, for the return of the exile and rebuilding of the temple possibly. 
But the message of the psalm is clear. And here's the message. Both corporately and individually, we should make Adonai's praise glorious. We've already done that today, haven't we? But let's unpack that statement. Point number one, we should make Adonai's praise glorious corporately. So this section of the psalm, verses 1 to 12, is really broken up into three different stanzas as we see. Number one, the first stanza, we make Adonai's praise glorious corporately when we praise him exuberantly and extend his praise around the world. You see, exuberant praise, is that not the opposite of apathetic praise? Heartless mouthing of words while you look out the window and you think about what you're going to do after the service is over? No, it's a joyous praise that comes from the heart as we realize who Adonai is and what he has done. You see, the psalmist here is not satisfied with our declaring God's praises moderately. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know. Rather, he insists that we, what? Celebrate God's goodness in some measure that is somewhat proportionate to his excellence. Shouting joyfully to Adonai, singing the glory of his name, making his praise glorious does not mean, by the way, getting pumped up by group enthusiasm or by music that has a catchy beat. And let me tell you here at Tree of Life, we have all that going on and some people refuse to come because they think that's what's happening. We're getting caught up in exuberancy, but our hearts are far from the Lord. My friends, that is not taking place. No, it means... It's the overflow of the heart when we're captivated by God's all-satisfying glory in the Messiah Yeshua. Now look again in verse 4. The psalmist sets forth a prophecy or hope here. The message of God's awesome works in his glorious name is going to spread beyond the Jewish people to all the nations. And this is also the theme of the next psalm that we're going to look at today as well. Point number two regarding corporate worship and praise. We make his praise glorious corporately when we contemplate his awesome works in redeeming his people and in ruling the nations. Look with me, verse 5. Come and see the works of God. I know there's a song to that, right? April, there is a song to that. How awesome his deeds for the children of Adam. He turned the sea into dry land. They crossed the river on foot. There let us rejoice in him. He rules by his might forever. His eyes keep watch on the nations. Let no rebels exalt themselves. Selah. Adonai has tried his people arduously and purified them, he says, as silver as re is refined. He brought them into the net. He laid an oppressive burden on them. He made, the Bible says here, men ride over their heads. They went through fire, ish, and through water, mayim, which might be here reference to the exile, expressed in terms of the arduous trek that our people took through the wilderness. That was fire, following the exodus, as you know, and crossing over the Jordan River, the water. But the end, by the way, of this terrible time and testing was abundance. That's the end of it. The end of testing in our lives is abundance. But note a few things here. First, the psalmist emphasizes that Adonai inflicted these trials on his people. These difficult experiences, my friends, did not happen by accident. And they did not happen by bad luck. 
Adonai didn't just permit them. Rather, he did these things to them. Now, that may mess with your theology. Number two, although God does these things through evil people whom he's going to judge for their sin, he's not responsible for the evil. Centuries before, Job understood this truth. When Satan, you remember, afflicted Job by wiping out, what, all his possessions, killing his children, afflicting him with boils. Job attributed everything to the Lord. Adonai gave and Adonai is taken away. The Sabaeans, whom Hasatan used to slaughter Job's servants and steal his livestock, were responsible for their terrible crimes. God was not responsible for any evil in the whole proceeding, yet he rightly says to he, that he's the one who did it. And so even though here the Lord used a pagan army, the Sabaeans, to ride roughshod over his people for the purpose of refining them, the pagans, they were sinning and they were going to be judged for it. Yet God did it without sinning. And used it for his sovereign purpose. Number three. God brings these difficult trials on us. Through sinful people. For our good. You see his final purpose. I believe is to bring us into that place of abundance. It's important for us. As we go through these difficult trials in our lives. To submit. To God's dealings with us. That's hard isn't it. We do that by not regarding lightly his discipline and not fainting when he reproves us. And by faith, we have to remember that he disciplines us for our good. Why? Because he loves us as a father. So even in our trials, we can make God's praise glorious in our trials as we trust him through the trials to the promised land of abundance. Point number two. We've talked about the corporate time of worship and praise in our life. But we shall make God's praise glorious as in, individually as well. Again, there are two stanzas in this final section. Look with me where we left off verse 13. With burnt offerings I will come to your house. Fulfilling my vows to you that my lips uttered and mouth spoke when I was in trouble. To you I will present burnt offerings of fat animals and with the sweet smoke of rams. I will offer bulls with goats. By the way, we're going to have some sweet smoke tomorrow barbecuing out at De Anza Cove. Just another plug to come on out. Victor's going to be smoking some meat. Others will be cooking dogs and, and uh, hamburgers too. It's going to be the sweet smoke of cows tomorrow. We'll offer bulls with goats. Selah. Not tomorrow, no. So when the psalmist here is in dire straits, he vowed to offer sacrifices to Adonai if he would deliver him. Now, Adonai has delivered him, so he follows through. In terms of the new covenant understanding, Yeshua the Messiah is the God-ordained, acceptable sacrifice, right? His body offered on the tree, offered on the execution stake is the once and for all sacrifice for sins that you and I need. But then we have another sacrifice of worship that we must offer here. Ralph Shaul described it in Romans 12.1. God's great mercy toward us in Messiah should move us to present our bodies to God as a worshipful sacrifice. 
And as Paul goes on in that chapter to write, this involves not being what? Conformed to this world. But be transformed by what? The renewing of our minds so that we might work out in our experience God's good will, his acceptable will, and his perfect will in our lives. We make his praise glorious as individuals by telling other believers as well what he's done for us, what he's done for our souls. Look at verse 16. Come and listen, all you who fear God. I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried out to him with my mouth, and exaltation was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But surely God has heard. He has listened to my voice in prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his loving kindness from me. And so in this final stanza of this psalm, the psalmist is addressing all you who fear God. He invites us, he invites us to come and to hear as he tells what Adonai has done for my soul. And so we are to tell other believers what Adonai has done for us, what he did for us, so that they too as well might trust him. It's powerful. And in the middle of this, the psalmist, he interjects something, interjects, I believe, an important principle here for proper prayer. Look again, verse 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. It does mean that we truly fear God and desire to be holy. So that we judge our sin on the heart level. Then, and only then, can we bring our requests to to the Father. Expect to be heard from the Father. You see, if we want the Father to answer our prayers, we must not regard sin in our hearts. Amen? The fact that Adonai did hear, hear the psalmist leads him to end the psalm by blessing the Lord for his loving kindness. So how do we conclude Psalm 66? Four applications, I believe, that sum it up. Four sentences that sum it up. Number one, we should not neglect public singing. Sometimes we need to view the time. You know, we tend to view the time of corporate worship and singing as, quote, filler, to let latecomers arrive before the main event, the sermon. I'm telling you, it's a real deal, my friends. Some stand outside chatting with other people, slipping in just in time to hear the sermon. We must make his praise glorious by public singing. If you have missed the praise and worship, you have missed half the service. I should mess with you sometimes and start preaching at 10 o'clock and then we worship from 1045 to the rest to turn things upside down a little bit. They'll see how many people show up late then. Number two, we should not neglect private worship. Number three, we should not neglect frequent heart cleansing. This is the summary of this psalm. And finally, number four, we should not neglect prayer. Even if the answers are delayed. We're speaking more about prayer from a couple of psalms next Shabbat. But in the situation here described in verses 10, 11, and 12, Adonai's people did not get instant relief, did they, from their terrible enemy? God's timing, how many of you know, is not our timing. But if we seek him in prayer, eventually he's going to bring us out into a place of abundance. Now, the elephant in the room, as we've read this psalm, Anyway, it's an elephant for me. Maybe it's a rhinoceros for you. I don't know. But 
is this word in there that we mentioned several times, the word selah. Before we look at the next psalm, the obscure, the obscure word that we just read three times here, and we're going to see in the next psalm as well, has been deemed, I love this quote, the puzzle of ordinary readers and the despair of scholars. <laughs> now, several proposals have been made over the last 100 years or so for the meaning of Selah, though most scholars view it as a musical term. There, here are some other common views. Selah indicates a pause, right, in the text. We've heard that one before. Number two, Selah could also be a synonym. It is a synonym of Hebrew words that mean forever. These words like olam, which means forever. Netzach, which means forever. Selah is a synonym for that. Okay, that's interesting. Here's one April of love. Selah is a derivative of the Hebrew root salal, which means raise voices in praise or make the instruments louder. You need to call that out and worship. Selah, bring it up a little bit louder. Come on. And Selah also is, now this is more in the rabbinic text. It's an acronym for a phrase in Numbers 14, 19. Quote, please forgive the sins of this people. So I think all of those four really work pretty well in the text where we find Selah. The Septuagint, the ancient Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures, doesn't give us any more clarity either of the meaning of Selah as we would love it to do. And it translates the Hebrew Selah into the Greek word Diapsalma, diapsalma, a word that is, is itself the same obscure as selah. But what if the word selah is more appropriately seen as a literary term rather than a liturgical term? You see, while selah could have been all those four things, a pause in the text, sing a little louder, etc. It could actually highlight themes that run throughout the book of Psalms. For example, in Psalm 3, Selah occurs three times like it does here, three times throughout the psalm. And it always occurs at important transitions in the cycle of lament in that psalm after sin, after judgment, after redemption. And so as we've been seeing in our small study, to a small extent, Hebrew poetry is complex. And perhaps the meaning of Selah is going to be, remain a mystery for the rest of our lives. But I like those four that have been posited over the last hundred years. So if you hear April telling the worship team to Selah, you'll know what she's talking about now. Let's move on. Psalm 67, before we read it, I think you would all probably agree with me that you've never and I've never met anybody in my life that has answered no to the question do you want God's blessing in your life? Am I right? We want to be happy. We want to enjoy life. We want things to go well with us and our children. My wife and I will be eating dinner with our son tonight and his girlfriend here. Not here. Not sure where that's happening, but it's happening. But... Without adding something, these are not adequate reasons why we should ask for the blessing of God. Psalm 67 tells us we should seek the blessing of God 
so that our gladness in the Lord will spread worldwide. So this psalm reflects the blessing that the Aaronic priests were to pronounce on Israel. Numbers chapter 6, how we close our services every week. But also this psalm is rooted in God's covenantal promise to Abraham. Oh, bless those who bless those and curse the one who curses you, Genesis 12. This psalm is also, I believe, my opinion, is the Tanakh's expression of Yeshua's instruction to us when he, that we're to pray as the model prayer that he prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It was to be sung, this psalm was to be sung with the accompaniment of stringed instruments. Now we know, we don't know all the stringed instruments. It says on some of the psalms on shigunyot. That's a, that's a musical instrument in scriptures. We know, I've done the study, you can check me out after the service, but the shigunyot is an electric guitar. Just saying, you can check that out. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But Psalm 67 has a chiastic structure. Words are repeated uh, in reverse order, where verses 2 and 3 are parallel to verses 7 and 8. The opening verses are a prayer for the blessing of God. The conclusion is a prophetic fulfillment of that prayer. Verses 4 and 6 are identical prayers for all the people to praise God. Verse 5 is the hinge verse. It's a prayer for the gladness of the nations in the Lord as they submit to his righteous rule and sovereign guidance. But rather than following that structure, which is amazing, and again, Hebrew poetry is complex, I don't want to follow that structure. I want to build my comments to you this morning around three practical points. People always accuse me of being less scholastic and more application, and I love that. That's just who I am. I'm just drawn to application. I'm drawn to scholastics, but I'm more drawn to application. Number one, to apply this psalm, and let's just read it first for the music director with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he cause his face to shine upon us. I need one of those keyboardists here. Selah. So that your way may be known on earth. Oh, that's bad, I know. That's that holy Pentecostal. Oh, come on, come on, somebody. All right. Listen, you didn't know me in my early days. I used to come down off the stage. I would like go in through the audience. Man, I would be preaching. That messes with the microphones, the video. But man, I'd love to touch people. I'd love to pray with them. Hallelujah. You know, I used to get up. I love preaching with energy. I don't know what happened. Maybe I got to go back to that or something. Raise it up a little louder. Say la. Come on. Woo. Yes. We should seek the blessing of God. Now note a couple of things here. God's blessing is rooted in his chesed, his grace. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. God's grace is one of the most basic concepts to grasp if we want to experience his blessing. And yet it is not easy to grasp in practice. Why? Because it runs contrary to our sense of justice and fairness. All of life programs us to work hard to earn what we get. And also our pride, by the way, tells us that we deserve to be rewarded. Why? Because we've worked hard. 
That's what life conditions us with. It's only fair. But God's grace does the opposite, doesn't it? It humbles our pride saying, you deserve my judgment, but I'm going to give you my favor. Grace means that we get blessings that we don't deserve. Grace is just excited because I keep mentioning her name like every third word here. (laughs) We can't earn grace because then it becomes a wage, not grace. We deserve Adonai's judgment for our sins, but he gives us a free pardon and eternal life through Yeshua the Messiah who paid our debt. Listen, people have been trying all week to say the cancellation of student debt is just like Yeshua's cancellation. No, it's not. Grace is not easy to receive because our pride makes us think that we earned or deserved it. God's blessing means that we enjoy his favorable presence. The psalmist continues here, quote, may he cause his face to shine upon us. To have God's face shining upon us, my friends, is the opposite of an angry face or a scowling face. And some people's vision of God, their understanding of God is that face, that negative face, that angry face, that scowling face. To have his face shining toward us is the opposite of having him turn away his face from us with disgust or indifference. We see here that the psalmist adopted the wording of the priestly, the Aaronic benediction, Numbers chapter 6, in which the key expressions all specifically signal both physical and spiritual provision regardless of outer circumstances. You see, God's blessings are not just for the individual. They are corporate as well. The blessings prayed for here are, quote, to us. That's how Jews pray, to us. The pronouns are plural. The aim of God's blessing, which we're going to look at in a minute, that his way and salvation would be known among all nations can't be accomplished, hear me, by us working as individuals independently. Hello? but only by his people working together. Adonai's ongoing salvation of individual Jewish people as his future salvation of the entire nation stands as one of the greatest testimonies in the world that the word of God has not failed. Verse 3 implies here that the key to effective evangelism is for God's power and his blessing to be with his people in a very obvious way. Number two, when we have his blessing, April, if you come up, verse five, we will what? We will be glad in him. Gladness in stuff, that's futile. Because stuff can be taken away from us in a moment. But gladness in Adonai is eternal. It can't be taken from us. And when we are at that place, glad in Adonai, we will want to do what? Spread that gladness to all nations, the psalmist writes. This implies satisfaction in God overflows to other people. Praise by its very nature begs to be shared. It begs to be expressed. You see, if you and I were out in Phoenix and we were over the Grand Canyon and we're there at sunset, we want to tell others what we've just seen. It was an incredible sunset. Our enjoyment of that spontaneously overflows into praise. And if we enjoy God 
and the blessings of his salvation. What do we want to do with that? We want to keep it? No, we want to share that, don't we? We want to share that joy, which is the ultimate joy, so that they can enjoy him too. And finally, God blesses us materially so that we can bless others spiritually. Quote, the earth has yielded its harvest. What does that mean? It means that God has blessed Israel materially with provision of food. And God's provision and his protection of Israel is going to in turn serve as a worldwide testimony of his sovereign power. Causing all people throughout the ends of the earth to fear him. Verse 8 says, you see Israel's material blessings translated into spiritual blessings on the nations. Promises such as these, my friends, cannot be fulfilled by a, quote, new Israel or by a spiritual Israel, i.e. the church consisting of many nations, as is sometimes argued. Only when Israel is a restored physical nation among the nations, when they exhibit God's grace, can such promises as those in this psalm be fulfilled. Now, a modern application for this in our lives is that when God blesses us materially, it's not so that we can spend it on ourselves. No, rather, we're to use Adonai's material blessings to bless the nations. If you'd stand with me this morning, it's to glorify God by spreading our joy in Him to all the earth. Two questions as we close today for us. Number one, are we seeking Adonai's blessings for ourselves, for our families, for our kehilah, our congregation? We should be. And it is the overflow of that joy that's going to bless the nations. Number two, and finally, are we going to be, are we being a good steward of God's material blessings so that he can use them to bless the nations? We should get out of debt. Not the way it's being posited this week, though. Yeah, some of us are mad this week, aren't we? Maybe that, you know, paid off your student loans like a, a good soldier. Well, we should get out of all debt. We need to live simply. We need to give joyously and generously to the work of God. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for these psalms, oh God. Lord, when trials come, we, we go to the book of Psalms because we see through the end of it, through the end of our trials, the promise of abundance that you have planned. So, Father, we're going to say la to our problem. We're going to sing a little louder and drown that out. Some of us came in here just burned and weighed down with problems. To be born into this life as the sparks fly upward, Job says, is to be born with problems. We can't escape them. But we can say la. We can turn it up. We can sing a little louder the praises of the Lord. Because we see on the other side of that trial, on the other side of that service, abundance. We pray for healing in this congregation. For that trial, oh God. Not fun. We know that cancer has been defeated at Golgotha. We recognize that. But apparently he wants to raise his ugly head again. Spirit of cancer, you are condemned to the pit. You are shrinking up and are going down 
to the place where God has sent you to since the beginning of time. And some are dealing with debilitating physical conditions. And I challenge you to do what the psalmist did. Every stanza in your life. Selah. Sing a little louder to the Lord. Praise a little louder. Jump a little higher. God cannot keep. The devil can't keep you down. Because you have the Holy One of Israel. Who resides in you. I'm telling you. Did you pass that test? You didn't pass it at the beginning. But you're going to pass that pop quiz next week. Because our lives this week are going to be filled with praise. I don't care what the lack is. God is beyond the lack. We believe God is the overcomer in our lives. We believe our family members can get saved. Well, Rabbi, you don't know my family. I've been preaching at them for decades. Well, Israel walked about 38 to 40 years before they hit their promised land. You keep pressing in. You keep going through fire. You keep walking through water. Our God is the deliverer. Our God is the overcomer. Greater is he that's within us than he that's within this world. You got something? All right. Praise the hallelujah. I raise the hallelujah. I raise the hallelujah. I raise the hallelujah. I raise the We're gonna hear 
Praise the hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. Praise the hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. Father, we ask you, you can bring on a pop quiz anytime. We get it, Lord. We understand. We're going to get a 10 out of 10 on this one this week, oh God. We're going to make it a lifestyle in our hearts and in our lives. And as God told Moses how to bless the children of Israel, as this psalm referred to, May the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Adonai lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of all peace, Yeshua of Nazareth. And all of us with him said, with Selah, amen. amen. Shabbat shalom, everybody. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. You don't get out of here that quick today. Sorry, sir. No, 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 no. Why do I do this every year? Forget about that. So uh, if you don't know, his birthday is this week coming up. 21 again. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. And so... I was ordered by the boss of bosses, you know, Barbara, <laughs> to bring this up here to you. Thank you so much. This is a gift from the congregation. Oh, thank you very much. No, thank this you. This is mine. Oh, okay. Great. 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 Enjoy that. <laughs> thank you so much. Appreciate you all. Really that. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Rabbi Joel. Happy Hashem, the Lord's good. Woo! Amen. Amen. We'll see you outside for Kiddush. Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure to visit our website, treeoflifeca.org, and be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you've found value in this show, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes, or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. If you like this show, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Tree of Life Messianic Jewish Congregation, to see more content, including our weekly live stream. Be sure to tune in for our next episode as we continue to explore our Jewish roots through Scripture.